And now, for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PNR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, content marketers. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 44 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded on Monday, September 15th, 2014. So content marketing world is in our rearview mirror, and while Kevin Spacey told us to tell better stories, Kanye West is telling kids in wheelchairs to stand up and dance. Scotland will vote for independence this Thursday. Kate's pregnant again, knocking the uncle to fifth on the batting order for the crown. The Cowboys won, the Browns won, and PNR is back. It truly seems that all may be getting better in the world. And we're here for you, whether it's live from Cleveland or from wherever in the world Joe and I are, you can always get your PNR dose of good luck by subscribing via iTunes or Stitcher. And as always, stop on by the blog post on Saturday at thisoldmarketing.com, where you'll find all the links to the news and everything we talk about here. Okay, let's crack open a bottle of the good stuff and get to the content marketing news. And to do that, it's time to welcome my colleague, my co-host, my good, good friend, coming from Cleveland, Ohio, off the amazing buzz of a phenomenal week of content marketing world, the hashtag winning, the hashtag awesome, the hashtag of content marketing. Welcome, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? Well, how can you not be in a good mood after the week we just had? I mean, It is just fantastic. And the, ca- and the cake say. topper was our, our football team's won. I mean, come on. Holy How smokes. often does I this mean, happen? That is just and, – and by the way, beat two really good teams. I have to tell you this because I'm there at the football game, and I've been at, <laughs> I've been at every home opener for the past 10 years, and they've lost every one of them. <laughs> right. And uh, we kicked the game-winning field goal, what was to be the game-winning field goal, with, and we had three seconds left on the clock. And, and I, you're figuring out a way they could lose and it. And I'm, I'm literally sitting down. Everybody's cheering. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? There are three seconds left. Do you know how many Browns <laughs> games we've lost in the last three seconds? I mean, come on. <laughs> but, yes, it's been uh, – that. so that was fun. And so how was your, uh, how was your content marketing world experience? Do you- My content marketing world experience was the best ever. And I don't mean that with just the standard hyperbole. I, 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 it was – it was maybe the smoothest and most polished, um, you know, and you and I talked about this during the event. It's just a – it feels grown up now. It feels as if we're making real impact in the industry. And I think really for me the biggest takeaway was how thematically – unintentionally thematically cohesive the event was with the idea of, okay – We've got it working a little bit. Now we got to figure out how to make this thing real in our business. You know, it's like, it seemed like without intention, every session was like, how do we scale this thing? How do we make it real? How do we really get dig into measurement? How do we really make this thing a function in our business? And, and it was just, it was just wonderful to see. I think growing up is a good way to put it. And the number of yeah. people and, and we, unfortunately you had to head back because you're very important. But we had a team meeting the next day. So this was Friday morning. And the best part about that meeting was everyone going around saying that they'd been approached by a number of people saying that Content Marketing Institute, Content Marketing World has changed my life. I have the job that I wanted. I have my job because of the stuff you've been doing. And that's and that's what we're here for. I mean, it's... but. This is the first year where we really heard that. So it's you're right. I would probably say we're starting to mature as a practice area. And um, yeah. 
it's that's just right. fun to see like all the stuff that you and I've been doing and traveling all over the world. It seems to be paying off for people. And yeah, you know, this is marketing. I get it, right? We're just marketers, but I really do believe. I think you have to believe that we're making an impact on the world in a positive way. Um, well, so that's how I try absolutely. to keep it because I just it's, I don't yeah. just want to, it's not like we're you know we're we're, we're feeding the 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 hungry and and housing the homeless. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we don't, it's not that type of thing. So what can we do to make an impact on the world? And, but I do think this does have that kind of thing to it. So hopefully I'm not talking too grandiose with that, but I don't, I don't think so at all. I mean, I, I think, you know, in the spirit of your keynote, you know, about writing down goals and, 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 you know, really shooting for larger things, that's, I mean, and, and this takes out of the spirit of, of my keynote, which is if there's any one practitioner in the company that's going to transform marketing and marketing as a broader topic needs to be transformed. The content marketer is going to be the one to do it. And it, it truly is, I think, the, the future of how the marketing practice will be practiced. And so, you know, if, if, if content marketers are going to be the change agent in their company, this is this is what's happening, and that impact is we're starting to see that now. Now, whether it actually ends up that way, or whether it evolves into something else, or whatever, that you know is all TBD. But what made me feel so good about this year was, regardless of where the end of the journey is, we know we're on the right path, right? And and that is 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 something really to be to be celebrated. I well, think. I think that the the thing that hit me the most, and yeah, we had. It was amazing, right? 2,600 people, 50 countries, uh, 36 of the Fortune 100 represented, which was fantastic, right? I, I look at those stats. I'm like, I can't believe that, that's, that those people showed up. The best, yeah. the best one to me are the 33 companies that sent seven or more people. They sent their teams. Exactly. And that's where – that's the difference from the first couple of years where you had one – representative maybe two representatives from a company and they went back to the organization and they became lost and they were fighting against the culture that had been there forever and they're like how do i do this now they're taking back 10 people and they're all fighting together fighting the good fight and they're making it happen and now we're actually seeing change happen so that's that's the thing that gets to me yeah it's absolutely true it's absolutely and i had a number of people come up to me and say the exact same thing which is and then now it's not just me it's the it's the team right it's our team we're trying to figure this out together as a team and that's you know a job well begun is half done as they say and that is uh it it felt really really good in that way and and like i say every every session you know and there were so many good sessions this year it was you know there's just so much good content um really was driving this idea of okay now we've been doing this for a couple of years. We feel kind of good about it. Now let's like let's now let's get to work. <laughs> Was there any other news that happened over the week? Because I didn't see any other news. <laughs> well, there actually there's this little company up in Cupertino um, called uh, I think they're named after a fruit. I'm trying to remember. It's uh, oh right orange. No, it's not orange. Oh, that's us. Um, it's it's this Apple company. Um, apparently, while we were at Content Marketing World, they decided to try and scoop us and failed miserably with this uh, this new uh, iPhone. If iPhone is it, I think they call it um, this iPhone six and a new watch. Um, oh, and yeah, a new U two album 
thrown in there in weird. So um, last week, uh, we Apple did launch their new version of the iPhone 6 and the iPhone 6 Plus, the giant phablet thing called uh, a mini iPad with a phone in it. Or And then they also wa- launched the watch. And then what we want to talk about is this interesting thing, and it's made a little bit of buzz over uh, a couple of different publications, is that U2, the band U2, um, launched their album. And they basically paired with Apple uh, to make their new album, which is called Songs of Innocence, and it automatically downloaded to 500 million iTunes libraries, um, although weirdly not mine. I don't know if it's because I haven't updated to the newest iTunes yet. And there's been a couple of articles that have talked about how this is great content marketing. Some people have said that this is not great for you two to do because it it really isn't isn't you know isn't their brand. And I, you know, so I mean, first of all, before I definitely have a take on this, but I wanted to get your take on this, Joe, as 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 someone we've talked about this before. What did you think about the the U two thing and and really pairing it up and putting their content in with the Apple launch? I guess two things. The the first thing that I thought of when I saw this was when I'm on stage, I have to say this, when I was on stage with Kevin Spacey and we were just talking about life. Um, so, Ke- you know, if, if you remember the question. So, <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> so this, Name dropper. Yeah, no. So this was after his <laughs> keynote, which was fantastic. And then I asked him, I said, if House of Cards would not have been funded by Netflix, but would have been funded by Apple or Red Bull, would you have had a problem with it? And he basically said, "No, I see that happening more and more. Like, right. and, and that could it could have been the case." So that's the first thing I thought of. Where I think you're going to see more companies do this kind of thing. Where, uh, and this is this is brandscaping at its best, right? Andrew Davis has been talking about this forever. Can you partner with other organizations that are trying to reach the same audience to help propel both brands forward? So what I really thought was interesting as YouTube. So the, in the um, the news article you sent me from The Loop, I think it's called, they take right. a little snippet out. And U2's sales of all their other albums are up, songs and albums. Right. So that's interesting, right? They, uh, they, they could have not gotten any money from Apple to do this, and it probably would have been a great decision for them because the interest in YouTube uh, has gone over and above where it's been. So that's and people are being exposed to YouTube. Well, now did did you two get paid for this, or did they just or did they just get the promotion? I'm under the assumption payment? that they got paid because in some now I don't think it's public by any means, but in some of the other articles I've been written or I've, that I've been write, reading about, they were talking about the idea that oh, if you two sells an album for an average of eight to nine dollars a piece, if you're going to buy it off of iTunes, but they you know. That you know, X times the amount that they would normally sell, they'd get twenty million dollars in revenue. But they probably got a thirty million dollar plus check directly from Apple and said, "Here you go." So it prob they probably made out you on think? it. You think? I I I want to know that for sure. Because here's the thing: you don't think they're getting money. I, you think that well, you two did it as a hey, here you go. Well, Tim. here's the thing. Here's the thing. I I I. <laughs> I to me, and I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, it, and, and I really and, and I'm and I'm sincere here to get your opinion on this. To me, this felt a little bit like the you know you know when you get your bag at the conference and there's a free pen in it. And this felt a little like that to me, right? You know, I'm going to the I'm going to the the Apple event, and oh yay, I go I go to the Apple event and I go watch the Apple event and I get a free U2 album. Now, 
whether they actually made a deal with Apple or not, and and I would actually really be interested in. So this. we have to look that up, actually. Yeah, it, I wonder if it feels a. It, it didn't feel like uh, a brandscaping thing to me. It felt to me much more promotional in nature, um, because I didn't see. I mean, other than the obvious sort of that they launched the single and it and the and basically their new video for their first song is ostensibly a commercial for the for the, for the iPhone. Um, it didn't feel integrated to me. Well, it didn't. It, it felt it felt very promotional to me. I, and I don't know. I, what, no, no, no. Your take? I, I think you're right. I think you're on it because of the fact that it was sent to every customer Apple has for iTunes, except for you. Every other 499 million other ones, but you didn't get it. <laughs> so it's sent to everyone because it wasn't based on preferences and it wasn't based on permission. That's a big deal, and I think that's the yeah, thing. Right in the other article that you shared. From is it business to community? I think it was the other that's one. That's right. That's right. It had that's a right. little bit of a creepy feel to it. I think we need to say that because of the fact that oh, okay. And I'm looking at my phone this morning just in preparation for this podcast, and there it is. It's right on my phone, and I'm like, I didn't ask for it. It was just there. Now, what if they would have put just an extra step? Two things, right? They could have based it on my preferences and said, Hey, you've you've been listening to YouTube for a while as a YouTube customer as well as an itunes customer here you go and that would have been great or the fact that said hey we're going to send you this just click accept and accept it and if not decline it if you want this free gift otherwise you're right it's just in the bag you get it good luck have a nice day great for you two right that's the way so i do think it's a little and i think that's where they missed out and that's why i wouldn't i mean i don't think this you can't really say this has anything to do with content marketing. I think it's more interesting. Well, it's an inter- interesting distribution mechanism for content. That's what I'm looking at it as. Okay, that and, and I buy that, and I had not looked at it that way before. And and that is a that is that is a very interesting way to look at it. And I had not even thought about it in that in but that look framing. At, look, I had, man, look at Red Bull. So so look at like what Red Bull does with with Red Bull. To, you know, you become a Red Bull customer in some way. You opt into some kind of content, and then they send you consistently information about things that you're interested in. And ultimately, right. that fosters more loyalty and retention for Red Bull. And that's you know, and and the consistency is key. This has nothing to do with anything. They don't know me. No, they Apple in this case doesn't know whether or not I want you to. It doesn't know. It, I don't even know what the goal is for for um for apple other than to just get more buzz and there's no consistency about it i'm not going to be sent this is not like i'm getting an audio book and they're, they're going to send it to something to me every week or something to to sort of bring me along some journey this is just here you go you're right. great that's exactly right it's like that's it's like exactly a right yeah it, 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 it almost almost that right because the the and, and what kind of set me off on it was i you know in my Facebook network, I have a, a ton of friends who are huge U2 fans. I mean, like, ginormous U2 fans. And they hated this. One, they didn't like, they're, one, they're not loving the new album at all. And the fact that the first video is really just that big commercial for, for, for Apple, they're, I mean, they're up in arms about it. I mean, they don't like it. They feel it like they bit. sold out. Is that what? So, it, yeah, a little bit, yeah. right? So it feels like from a, if I'm the marketing guy at U2, which is, sounds weird, but, it, you know, it, if, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to alienate my hardcore fans 
And then if I look at the concentric circle around the hardcore to sort of the casual fan, I'm going to maybe engage them. And then for the people who aren't fans of U2, uh, that's that's, that's what I'm doing. So I'm taking my, my widest concentric circle and saying, here's the people that I'm trying to draw in. And in other words, it sounds like, and a couple of other articles have mentioned this as well, is that it feels desperate. And I think that desperate feeling comes from the fact that the the, the highest uh, chance of any engagement or relevance here with a with a fan base is going to be that who has never heard of you two, or that who has heard you two and said, "Yeah, not really for me." And to do that in conjunction with a with with the Apple launch in the way that they did it feels a little goofy to me. contrived i, I think know. is the word yeah. you used and i would i would yeah. agree with that actually before we go on to the next news thing probably the more yeah. interesting things in apple's report was apple pay which yes the exactly. amount of mobile yes. revenue they're going to see through that i mean oh it's crazy i saw a, crazy. an email i don't know if you got the email from jason calacanis but basically say there's your first trillion dollar brand apple because of this move for, for Apple Pay. I mean, that's... Apple Pay is going to be huge. That's just, and then, and then I don't know. I mean, we, you know... I mean, and that's the watch, right? That That's your watch right there. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's the reason for the watch, I got to imagine. You think so? I don't... I, I think it's just... Well, it's the phone, too. It's the phone. I mean, it's everywhere, well, right? You got, it's here's but, a, you, but, don't you have to buy an iPhone to use the watch? That, that I think that's... I, oh, right. yeah. I think they work best together. Of course they do. Is, you got to yeah. buy... Yeah. <laughs> well, of course. You can't just yeah. buy the <laughs> iWatch. You have to buy the iPhone, which comes with that's exactly 12 great right. songs from... Or mediocre songs, I guess, in this case, from U2. Um, but the other thing is on... The other thing that just came, came out, I don't know, a couple hours ago, I saw some people posting on Facebook about this whole issue with how you cannot download f- directly from Kindle from an iPhone now. Because Amazon, I don't know if you saw this. You saw Amazon and Apple are having this little fight where they're not paying. We should cover that on the next because it just came out about something where if I'm on my iPhone now and I want to download something directly from the Kindle, use that Kindle app, I can't do it right now because they're fighting over territory. Well, that's that's the way it's been for a while. You have to go to the Amazon website, buy your book, and then send it to your Kindle and then go back to your Kindle app and and then download it. I don't know. Has, has something changed? I, we should cover it later. We'll have to cover it later. So but, I brought that up, yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> not to get sidetracked, but we should cover that again because I just saw some new developments, and, and we are a, a news program okay. here, so we need Absolutely. to cover this kind well, of stuff. What, do we right. have anything else going on this week? Absolutely do we do. Um, all right. So this is a little bit of coming out of content marketing world, actually. So um, we've paired a couple of stories together. Uh the idea of content marketing software, of which we had a number uh, of new sponsors and vendors who came through uh, the content marketing world show floor, as some really interesting technologies, some very innovative approaches, um, some new announcements from sort of uh, older or more traditional quote unquote companies. But interestingly, so, and it's a question we get asked a lot, which is, you know, how do we make sense of this new content marketing software landscape? We've written a couple of reports on it and all of that. So the two stories that we're going to, we're going to, point out here. One comes from, uh, it's a slide share, which is Rebecca Liebs, uh, an analyst with the Altimeter Group, and her, uh, the their group, the Altimeter Group's uh, approach to content marketing software landscape and how to develop an RFP for it, and really talking through the different uh, ideas of what content marketing software is. 
And then the second comes from a blog post from Jay Bear on his Convince and Convert blog over the weekend, uh, which talks about the, what he calls the content marketing shakeup that's uh, coming soon, which is what is content marketing software, what, wh- why it doesn't is not really differentiated from social media software, and he's asking the question. And the comments there were a really good, uh, a really good, uh, a really good source of some of the discussion there. Anyway, so uh, uh, before I sort of give my take, because as you might expect, I have one. Um, the uh, Joe, what did you what did you think? Well, about I that? have to say this: the the first thing, and this is slide twelve of uh, of the altimeter piece. And I, as you know, we're big fans of Rebecca Lieb and, and altimeter and what they've been able to do. But slide twelve says content marketing is relatively new. And I just have to stop that. I just have to make sure that everybody knows it's not. She needs to, and this is why this is important because I fight this battle all the time because there is so much confusion out there with what the process and the practice of content marketing is. I think we just have to focus on adding a couple more words to be specific. Right. She could say, she could have said the content the marketing yeah. process is relatively new. Uh, the yeah. content marketing landscape is relatively new. There's Content marketing is not relatively new. So that's why I talked about in the opening keynote that even though content marketing has been around for a long, long time, so it is an old industry, it is an immature industry. So I think that's that's beyond the whole thing about the software thing. Words are important. Words are important. Uh, so, So anyways, back to both Jay and the altimeter piece. And I don't know, I think I didn't read all of your comment on Jay's uh, post but <laughs> because it was long, are you suggesting it was long? It was, it was a really long comment. So may, maybe this is what this is what you're saying, and, and then you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's hard to say content marketing software because I don't know what your goal is. So there, you could literally make the case that every new piece of software out there, in one way or another, might have a content marketing objective around it that you're trying to use content to apply some sort of a content marketing goal or objective or marketing goal objective using content right so uh let's look at all of them right look at uh look at marketing automation well marketing automation is a category but you need a content marketing strategy behind that to make it work project management right it's project management software but you might be using project management software to run your content marketing process so that's the way that i've been thinking of it so it's hard to put that in a box now i'm glad that Altimeter is saying, here's the way that you need to select, if you use an RFP to select a content marketing software. But I honestly become confused with what, what, so do you have a, do you have a, an answer for when somebody says, what is content marketing software? Do you answer them in a similar way? Or is it, I don't think you can say, this is, this is content marketing software and this is not because, wow, where do you stop and, and where do you start and where do you stop? Right. Well, and that's the and that's the short answer, right? Is that the it 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 look at the risk of sort of it, there's a double edged sword here, right? Which is the idea, and you're right that the, the as we have said a million times, content marketing is a practice, a process that gets infused into marketing more broadly, right? So to to be very clear about the content marketing is new or about what this content marketing is a process. It's not separate and discrete from the other things that you do. It is something that is infused into everything else you do. And so therefore, everything you do has some effect or touches content marketing in some way. And to your point, so 
every piece of software you use as a marketer could conceivably be used to facilitate a content marketing process, whether it's web content management, whether it's blogging, whether it's analytics, whether it's marketing automation, whether it's CRM, whether it's business process management, whether, I mean, I mean, Excel, Word, Office Suite, digital asset management. I mean, there's not, there's not a category that can't touch content marketing in some way. Having said that, there are specific solutions right now, and we saw innumerable of them on the show floor this year, that are facilitating a part of the process that traditional software isn't. There you go. Yeah. And so I think that facilitation, whether it's editorial calendaring, whether it's collaboration, whether it's content creation, uh, whether it's uh, uh, you know collaboration with ideas, whether it's making access to freelance networks or writing networks, whether it's uh, looking at curation, all of these things are facilitating parts of the process that aren't getting facilitated by, quote-unquote, the traditional marketing technology stack. And so my point to Jay, and where I agree with him that there actually is a shakeup coming, is I think what's going to happen here is in the coming year or two or three, as the companies that were venture-funded begin to make their cyclical, you know, cyclical sort of phase out into other larger organizations, um, I think you're going to start to see a lot of the bigger companies assume these smaller companies. We've already started to see it. Oracle bought Compendium. They bought Eloqua. They're buying these companies not for, uh, not for necessarily their broader marketing capabilities, but for the heat and the effectiveness that content marketing has underneath it. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming months and years. Um, and I think ultimately it gets, just like content marketing will, become to be a core part of what marketing is. And so if you look at the marketing stack, content marketing will be a piece of that. So I guess what that means sort of tactically looking out is I don't see, and this is the part where I may get myself in trouble, I don't see anybody in the content marketing space being big enough to go public. I don't think that's I don't think that's in the cards for any any content marketing company th- that would claim themselves to be a content marketing software solution out there. I don't. How about that? I, for well, prediction? there you go. Yeah, I think you are going to get yourself into trouble with that one. <laughs> by, yeah, by me. Now I'm mad. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I think there is, um, and I think it just depends on which direction some of these go. I do believe that there are big enough problems that are not being covered. So it, when I look at if somebody says content marketing software to me, I do look at, to your point, the areas that aren't being covered somewhere else, right? So I, I need access right. to freelance networks. I need to actively create, manage content, specifically to content, not just a project management sure. system, but specifically to content uh, that in, integrates calendaring systems, uh, that has some kind of integration with the CMS system, those things. I, I think that, yeah, I agree with you. And we've talked about it for a while. There will, there will be some, some Borg uh, issues that go on where they're going to be assumed by these larger companies. But I do think that those that want to, that those that probably do add to what they're currently doing. So let's say that there's some right now, and I'm not going to mention names, but the ones that are very textual-based uh, when they look at their content creation and what they're doing. Uh, as right. they add in video processes and as they, as they add in more of, of platform mentality so that they can show different metrics and more integrations and APIs, I do feel that you could see the category being one that we look at like a marketing automation. So Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, think that's, I think that's a big maybe, right? I mean, 
there are there are companies out there that have taken a lot of money that are and the the challenge that I've always said with those companies and we're, you know by the way who we're not including into this are the I would argue the 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 companies that are that that may adopt the content marketing name but are truly ad tech companies um, you know so I mean without without pulling punches here Outbrain right Outbrain and Taboola they are not facilitating the content marketing practice the, the the process of content marketing they are helping in the promotion of content extraordinarily important extraordinarily important but they are more a they are they are going to be quickly uh, 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 adopted by marketers that are looking to promote and therefore handled by the, the the traditional media buying part of the organization or by agencies right so I look at them more as ad tech than I do as facilitating a governance or a collaboration process. Now, maybe they'll go into that area. Maybe they'll widen their their scope and start to and start to buy companies that are that are into that and sort of facilitate the process of marketing department as media company. But I think that's a TBD. And they've got a lot of money and they've taken a lot of money and and they could I could see them going public. But for the ones that are starting to look at the enterprise um, from a governance perspective they're going to start seeing a big challenge and they're going to have to go in and displace, right? So some of these companies are going to have to go in and displace Marketo and displace Eloqua. And that's a much different process and a much bigger hill to climb than going in with a, you know, a, a large whiteboard saying, you don't have anything right now to facilitate this, so try us. I guess what I'm seeing is when I walk into the exhibit floor next year, I'm going to see an area where, where people consider themselves content marketing software. Then you have the whole area for marketing automation. Then you have the whole area for translation and localization or what we would call more global content marketing solutions. Then you have your metrics and tracking and your project management services around content. So it's almost like, you know, if you will go into South by Southwest and you see your different categories, you see, but to, to your point, maybe, and maybe this is to Jay's point, uh, we're, ve- we're very young in this. It's very young. In very, yeah, exactly. It's very, very young. And what's interesting about Jay's take and what I really appreciated is he was talking about the fact that a lot of these companies actually are much more mature in their offering than he would have expected by now, being that the process is still so young in most companies. That's right. So that's interesting to, to see that. So yeah, so so I guess, long story short, you're not going to see the, the big companies come out of here, but you're going to see a lot of M&A activity coming in the next couple of years. Is that what you're saying more than anything? Else? I, I think, look, yeah. So here's what I, here's what I'm saying to be, to be, to be perfectly clear. There is a ton of innovation and a ton of interesting stuff happening right now in this space. And I think it's extraordinarily volatile. And I think it's a very disruptive for, you know, as we know, right? I mean, coming off of what we just talked about, the theme of the event and how people felt, and it's actually really starting to have impact, this disruption of content as a function in the business. And so more and more and more, that disruption is going to equate to more and more solutions being tried, being used, and finding effectiveness with them. I just think at some point, the larger, in much the same way that what has happened to the social media marketing landscape that Jay talks about, the larger organizations, the Oracles, the Microsofts, the Salesforces, the OpenTechs, the SDLs, the uh, uh, HPs, the you know these large enterprise IBM companies will start to 
break down and pull in the companies that matter. And it's going to be, you know, and which is, by the way, what every startup company wants. Exactly. So, so, you know, I think that that is, and I think it's a race, right? It's right now, it's a very startup. It's a very volatile time. And there's a lot of interesting things going on. And it's very young, and I think it's gonna, it's gonna, it's a shakeout. It's, it's exactly, it's a great way to describe it, as Jay says. It's going to, there is going to be a shakeout coming. So I agree with you. I agree with both of you. I agree with you that you next year there will be a content marketing. You have to, can, you have to take a side. That's my, Did we, we, you that's and I, my prerogative. <laughs> you and I ran into how many hundreds of people that said, "Hey, <laughs> we love the podcast. You two have to argue more." So we're going to bring it to the table right here. You're wrong. Shut up, man. I don't know what you're wrong Shut about. Up, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good stuff. Great article. Jay. All, all right. So our last uh, story of the day. Interesting headline here um, from The Guardian, actually, from our friends across the pond. Advertising agencies are dying as they become needed most. Very fascinating article here, um, and maybe not a lot of discussion here, but but some interesting thing where they talk about the author of the article talks about that there's this curious tension right now in what's going on with agencies and how they are actually there's the gap between what clients really need and what they actually provide is truly widening, and I I could not agree with this more. I think this is you know I've talked about how the agency. Um, uh, are really struggling to to handle the disruption of both content and digital more broadly. Um, I've got I've written white papers on this. I've written blog posts about this. And the the thing that I love, and I would love to get your take on this, Joe. And maybe maybe maybe, maybe this is where we will disagree. Maybe not. Um, this is one of those times where I look at the author of the article and I go, man, I, I just you're so annoying about how good you write. That that I'm going to read you this paragraph because I love the way he phrased this where he said, this is, he's speaking about agencies here, where he says, we've created the long tail of marketing, where each campaign has ever smaller budgets, ever shorter lifespans, diminishing aims, also wonderfully cheap in execution, so wonderfully proficient in terms of outputs, but so entirely pointless. It's this maintaining excitement for a Twitter feed of 4,000 people or keeping the 500 subscribers on YouTube happy that is the marketing of our time. I th- I could not have said that better. It is just that it, we need to shake it up, right? We it, this is and and agencies aren't shaking it up right now. They're in this sort of executional sort of let's keep you know let's keep this Twitter base that we have engaged with some semi interesting content. We're incrementally moving things forward, and it's not it's it's not shaking things up. And I, I just I, I love that article or this article for that for that point. Well, the first thing is we need to stop calling them advertising agencies. <laughs> right. That's that's a big <laughs> that's a big problem that I have with the article right off the bat. Uh, so all all I'm going to do is take it to the re, you know the the full research findings that we're going to come out with the Content Marketing Institute Marketing Profs Research. I talked about it in the opening keynote. It'll be released in about four weeks. But here's the thing, and it hits hits this so well. Thirty eight percent content marketing effectiveness right now. And I looked at that number and I said, that's just terrible. You know, we need to do better than that. And I really looked at, you know, you and I talked about it a lot. What's the difference between the the great content marketers and those that are failing miserably? And it's the two things. It's one is, do you have a documented content marketing strategy? Means, do you write it down? And second is, do you consistently refer to it? Do you, ref- do you review it every week, every other day, every day? 
those are the two differentiators. And you and I had more than our fair share of conversations in content marketing world about people having very small problems like promotion issues or how do I do I need a person to fill my staff here? And, um, you know, how do I get more people on my YouTube channel like this article is talking about? And and I always try to bring them back and say, well, what's your strategy (laughs) and what are you trying to do? Because honestly, you might not even need YouTube. You might not even need those subscribers there. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I don't know. And, And we're focusing on those very small campaigns. And that's the problem where, and this is the culture change, right? The culture was a huge issue at Content Marketing World. I heard so many speakers talk about the idea of changing culture. And in order to change culture, we have to change the campaign mentality. And, and we are still right in the middle of campaign mentality. And I and this Absolutely is the thing, right. and I don't I honestly don't know how to get out of it. And we just keep doing what we're doing. But, man, they go back. So they go to Content Marketing World. They go back, and they're still, they still have this very oh six-month, nine-month campaign. I need to f- have this many leads in this shorter period of time. And we're not looking at the long term. And unless we look at it a little bit longer term, we're still going to go fall back into these stupid numbers that, that this great article is talking about. Yes. Well, and, and that's exactly right. I mean, you know, so without – self-promotion here this was the point of my workshop by the the pre-conference workshop that i did which was you know i mean i start with the quote from 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 drucker you know that culture eats strategy for breakfast and you know it, it and it's never more true than today where you can have the best strategy in the world and the best business case in the world and you can walk to your boss with facts all over the place and i can't tell you how many times I have talked to practitioners of content marketing in the business where they put together an amazing business case, went to their boss, got permission to go do it, and were successful in doing their little project, their little content marketing project, went back and said, this is awesome, and then failed because basically the, the, the theme was that's not how we do things here, yeah. right? We don't that's, – this is – you know, that's not the way it's done. And – so how do you change that? And one of the things that I, that I point out is, is that before you build the business case, before you actually go and get permission to make this a real function in the business from senior management, you've got to build the groundswell. You've got to build the team and the process first. And how do you do that? You go build alliances and you change the culture one person, one friend, one ally at a time so that you've got a groundswell of people who will help you do it and you build that function in first so that then when you go build the business case, you're actually not asking for permission for a project. You're asking for permission for content to exist as a function in the business. And oh, by the way, here are the three and four and ten projects we want to try as this function. Oh, and we also, by the way, created this one that had really effective business results. So that's – I mean, and that's too pat an answer for sure, but, you know, we're, we're on a podcast Whoa. here. But, but the – and that's – but that's it, right? It's change. – you've got to the, – the culture has to change. The belief has to change first. It's probably worthwhile to at least mention Julie Fleischer's craft case oh, study. Oh, it's fantastic. Because I – mean, I mean, she's my hero. Well, so, I mean, we, we love Julie, and she presented at Executive Forum in San Francisco. I believe that was in May. And yeah. the one thing that we were all, you know, it's one of the greatest case studies around. We all use it and hold it up and say, this is the way, uh, this is the future of content marketing. Look what Kraft's doing. But she'll tell you that a couple of years ago that they didn't know they were going to make it. 
She, right. she flat out said, I didn't think I could get the support. I th- didn't think we could change the culture. And they yeah. did through exactly what you're talking about by uh, actually. She walked the halls. She actually physically walked the halls and went into everybody's office and said, would this, if I can deliver this to you, would this be value to you? Yes, it would. She, wa- she talked to every product marketing person that she could get her hands on and, and built the groundswell first. And then found a home for the function. It was it's, well. It's, it's so I, beautiful I because we talk about the idea of running a pilot. And while I'm not a huge fan of doing a pilot, which basically means a short-term content project, you have to get some success. Like I always say, I, was, I yes. use baseball analogies. You have to hit a single. You can't just go for a home run. You're going to strike out every time. So you got to hit a couple singles, get the bases loaded, and then people say, "Hey, this is starting to work. Look, we're scoring some runs." And then that's how you turn the tide. And she was able to do that, and I think that's where most companies that go back from content marketing world, they say, how do do we just get some people on base here so that when I go to the CEO, I can say, look, look what we're doing. We're we're making impact. And then you you go in with the big ask and you start getting it. You get the you exactly. go for the small ask first, but you're right. Go around, exactly. you know, shake as many people's hands as you can. Go in there and and make it happen. So, yep. And ask for the function. Don't ask for the project. Ask for the function, the process. That's the that's the key difference. And you won't be ready to ask for the function, the process, until you have a team. Before you have a groundswell of people who will support you. Because the first thing that's going to happen is they're going to go to the other silos and go, what do you think about this? And if the silos are like, I don't know, this is the first time ha- I'm hearing of it. Well, then you may win on that day. You may get your project, but then the other silos are immediately invested in not seeing you succeed or seeing you succeed in a less um, profound way than you might if you'd walk to that person and said, here's what I'm thinking about doing. I would like to include you in this, and I want to figure out how to make you successful and basically build a leadership team that will help create the process of content as something that the business values rather than just these one-off campaign-like projects. I think that most cases, and I, I want to see if you agree with this, that if this, when this is happening in large enterprises, people are asking for forgiveness later. They're doing it now. That's right. Well, that's the way they're starting. Yeah, they're starting right? I mean, now. They're just Dylan, putting it together. Right? Nobody you needs know. to know. You, know. you have your content marketing strategies. A few people are leading that. You're making some impact on certain things, and really none of the executive team knows. <laughs> until that's later right. exactly when it's right. successful and then you say hey look but that was it i mean so that's Gurde- so gurdeep Dillon, who is a vp of marketing at sap that's exactly what he did and the what the thing i love about his story is that he first didn't ask permission he built a team and then built a platform the customer edge blog that he's got going on right now got some success under his belt then went out and said okay now we've got this team this function of content in my group you know, it doesn't have to be across the entirety of the company. I mean, SAP is a huge company. But across his group, across the CRM group, we now have this content platform that we can now bathe and nurture and make sure that it's feeding the business. And then he went and built a leadership team to say, here's how content is going to work cross-functionally across this group. And then he's building content as a function and built in the, the groundswell of support among the entirety of the leadership team. And I actually got to speak with them and sort of do a, a little mini workshop over the phone. We had a big conference call and sort of get everybody excited about the function of content. And that's how he's built the sort of big mo, as it were, of content in his world is to start with the process, then build, without asking permission, the the you know the thing that will sort of represent that function, then build the team support for that across functionally, and then go build content as a function and get permission for that. 
it's a, it's a, it works. It it works. It's hard. It's really hard. It's different than mark what marketers have done before. But that's the key is is that we now have to change what we do. It's not only that we have to change to the outside world of what's going on. We have to change what we do as marketers in the business to create that value in the business. It was a good story, but you don't have to be annoyed by the the content. I mean, it was you. You're a good writer too. <laughs> You're you're good boy, Robert. You can do just fine. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Oh. I appreciate that, Joe. Hey, do we All right. I think we We got a sponsor. We have, We've got yeah, a, we got to pay the bills. Beautiful. And you know what's pay the bills. What's nice is um Emma just keeps coming back. We got to love uh love Emma myemma.com. Uh they have been I think this is their third tour as a sponsor yeah. of this old marketing. Uh, so they're doing a program, which is interesting. And I think I got a little bit wrong on the last one. I want to get it right because we were at, you know, we were live from Content Marketing World and things were crazy and there were lots of wine and drinking going on. But here's what they're doing. See if I get this right this time. They're promoting, Emma is promoting a new service called One Great Idea. So here's what you do. You send them a link to your email marketing campaign, whatever you're doing. So you're everybody's doing email that's listening to this. Send them a link to your email marketing campaign. They'll send you one totally doable tip for better results for that campaign next time. So basically, they're offering free consulting is what they're doing. Yeah. You don't have to pay. Oh, it's brilliant. don't have to pay any email experts for doing that. And you can use the service as often as you want. Hopefully, you'll only have to use it a couple times and then you'll get it. But just in case. So you can register for it at bit.ly.com slash PNR dash idea. That's bit.ly.com slash PNR dash idea. That's all lowercase. And uh, Emma will help you out and give you some tips on how to make that email marketing campaign better the next time. And super thankful again for all Emma has done to support uh, PNR's this old marketing. And hopefully, and by the way, be back again. Yeah. Steal that idea. I mean, it's such a great idea. I mean, you talk about creating content so good you'd pay for it. I mean, that is the epitome of it, right? I mean, it's just the kind of advice you're going to get, the kind of tips you're going to get from those guys is is extraordinarily valuable, and it's a great idea. You can do that in your business too. So, it's, well, it's, what's uh, di- you know what's uh, different about this one? And and we know there's all these kind of web graders and SEO graders and those things that do it automatically. It's personal. This is personal because they actually have to it's have personal. somebody that looks at it and reviews yeah, it and looks absolutely. at your headlines. So, uh, so this is they're actually putting some resources behind this. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you to Emma. It is now time for the show that everybody loves to love or loves to hate. This is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave about something that is giving us a little bit of hate or give us a little bit of love, and we want to talk about it. So I'm going to go first since I'm doing this old marketing this week, and I have two raves on the heels of content marketing world, Um, and one is a rave about a rant that I would have written and I wish I had written. Um, and so the first is, so there's a friend of mine, and full disclosure, he is a friend. Um, his name is Mark Ramsey, and he is a media strategist. Uh, it comes out of radio, just uh, an amazingly smart guy. Uh, he's worked with a number of media companies and publishing companies and digital brands of all sizes, and, and, and he really specializes in audio. And, and I had the pleasure of speaking at one of his conferences down in San Francisco, or uh, San Diego, rather. And he, so a while back, and we actually talked about this on the show, Bob Hoffman, who is the ad contrarian, um, uh, did a speech that got a lot of buzz. And he basically talked about how 
digital advertising was stupid and you know the the idea that brands were going to be built on digital advertising and digital strategies was silly that it was all about big media that it was all about big advertising and as he says um, he you know in the speech he goes on to you know he challenges the audience to walk through a supermarket and find even one brand that was created through digital advertising rather than traditional big media advertising and and all of that and mark just takes him apart and I, it was, it's a post that I wish I had written it because it's so good um, about how Bob uses selective metrics, doesn't understand the trends, doesn't understand how big companies are actually moving to digital. He shows his, he, he pulls from other research and he basically just goes point by point by point about how to, what is really happening in the marketplace versus this sort of narrative that Bob creates in this speech, this rant that he goes on and it's just delightful. It's just a delightful, delightful post, and I could not recommend it more. Of course, the link will be in the show notes. And um, as I told him on a LinkedIn post, this is this is this is a great, great post, and it's one I wish I had written. And I and I love the way he concludes it because he's basically speaking. His audience, by the way, is mostly broadcasters who he's trying to convince that digital marketing, content marketing, and content are going to make them better, not necessarily threaten their business. And as he says at the end, I don't know who's right, the entire world of advertising and marketing and brands or Bob Hoffman, right? So it's probably not Bob. Well, what's – and then he's, can, I, can I just – on this because the, the last part was so cool where he says the sooner broadcasters recognize that they too are in exactly. the digital marketing that's, business, yeah, the better. Point. I mean what's the uh, – what's the, tr- the, the one that you use all the time that we're not in the railroad business, we're in the transportation business? That's exactly well, right. What's the, that's exactly, who's that's, that from? Um, it's Theodore Levitt. Theodore Levitt. Theodore Levitt. Professor just, Theodore Levitt, who is my marketing hero. It, well, absolutely. it's the same right. thing. The and, and that's yeah. that's when I was at Penton Media. It was just, we all thought we were in the magazine business, and then we realized, right. oh my gosh, we're we're in the media business, or the publishing business, or something broader than magazines. And I think this is what your friend is talking about. It's exactly it, and it's exactly my. It was the theme of my talk down at his conference in San Diego too, which was you know the the and I was speaking to a bunch of radio guys, right? They were all. Uh, from the radio, from the radio business, most of them were in the radio business. There were some in digital business, but I was saying that you know, content and this, the trends that are happening around content, aren't threatening to your business. They are the biggest opportunity for your business right now because it is just a fantastic time to understand that you know how to do this better than brands yep. do. You know how to create content. You know how to tell stories. You know how to use media better than anybody, and so. Guess who brands are going to be turning to to actually help them do this? They're not going to be turning to ad agencies, as we just heard. They're going to be turning to the people who actually know content, and this is a huge, huge opportunity. All right. Oh, you have another one, though. So my second. Oh yeah, you're doing. Oh, two. I do. Or just very, very. This is a really That's quick okay. one because it's it has nothing to do with content marketing. It is an ad. It's a, an advertisement, and I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to put the link uh, in the show notes, and it's in the UK. It's called it's payback time, and if you can't wait for the link to appear in the show notes, um, just Google in quotes it's payback time and uh, cancer, and you'll find the Vimeo video. It's a it is truly the epitome of storytelling as advertising, and I'm not going to tell you what happens because I don't want to spoil it for you. Just go out and watch it. It is maybe one of the most brilliant ads I've seen for a nonprofit effort ever, and I'll just leave it at that. It's just, it's just wonderful. Do you know what? Do you know how much they put behind this? By the way, do you do you know? I, the, I have. No I would idea. love. I have not. I've not. I've not done the research, but I would. It's not cheap. No, because it's a it's a beautifully produced piece. It's not cheap, but you know what? When you can put some of the funds that you get donated to marketing 
like this, it can make a positive impact. <laughs> you could really show the ROI behind it, but a lot of nonprofits exactly. are a little bit tentative about doing that. So hats off to them for uh, for making that happen. Um, Absolutely. You know, mine is, uh, I just kind of wanted to get your take on this. And this is this comes from the sales lion. So this is Marcus Sheridan. Marcus writes a post, I think it's from this morning or last night he wrote this. And he writes, content marketing's biggest problem and what can be done about it. And actually what was interesting is so this is Thursday after the industry lab. So Marcus just got done uh, doing his professional service in, services industry lab. And we had a great, as, as always, it's just awesome talking to Marcus, but we had a really good heart-to-heart talk in front of like 20 people uh, where we were talking. He was talking, <laughs> he was talking about the problem. He's like, where are all the salespeople here? And we were just saying, and I think he's right, there probably were well over 90% of marketers at content marketing world, and, and then some of the rest of those 10% were salespeople. And he says, that's a, that's a huge problem. And it is. Um, and I guess I wanted to get your take on this, but, but when, you, when you think about the fact that marketers are at this event, and so much of what they need to do, if depending on what their goals are, they, when they go back, they need to involve sales at some portion, whether from a content creation or um, actually getting their buy-in as to the objectives of the overall program, or in a lot of cases, especially for B2B organizations, where just getting a seat at the table where a lot of the marketing from industrial mar- uh, manufacturing organizations has have been just this you know brochureware type marketing, and they haven't had a seat at the executive table. It's really been owned by sales. So Marcus says, look, we've really got to do something about this, and that's where we talked about the idea of really focusing on a track just for salespeople or try to figure out how do we get marketing to bring some of their sales folks. And I know you've got a take on this. I guess I, I think, I, I think, I don't, I think there's many things that need to be done or not done with this, but I think this is part of the solution is I think we, we need to focus on it as an event, as an industry and try to bring them in. Do you agree with that or maybe not? What do you think? hundred percent. 100% agreed. And it's, uh, sadly, we're not going to argue over this either. Um, the, the, so here's, but here's, where, here's what I will say. And, and uh, uh, I, I wish I had been in that discussion. Um, I could not agree more that we should be getting salespeople in, into that conversation, into the into content marketing world and having them experience. Um, the, and, and that, by the way, that doesn't just apply to sales. That applies to customer service. That applies to... Uh, the C, you know the C suite that applies to PR that applies to uh, product development, human resources, marketing, yeah. human. Re- I mean, every single entity in the business could benefit from learning how to use the practice and process of content marketing to engage the audience that they're about. I'm about to go. I'm f- I'm flying today. They're one of the reasons we're doing this as early as we are on Monday. Is I'm about to fly to Chicago to talk to a group of procurement managers, executives in a procurement, you know, so at a procurement conference. Yeah, that. And, and, and I'm going to talk to them about how to make procurement more relevant in the business, right? So because procurement right now is considered a services organization at best, the only thing they're good at is negotiating a good deal and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm about to go talk to them about how they use content marketing practices to actually make themselves more effective, more relevant, more strategic in the company. And every single discipline in the business could use that. The only thing I'll quibble with, and I don't think this was Marcus's point, 
Um, although he does say this in the to a certain degree in in, in the post, and, and and I don't know that I he disagrees or agrees. So I'm not. I don't want to put words in his mouth here, but I want to make sure that we don't lose the fact that I believe marketing should lead this. I, I, I think too long, and it's, this is especially true in B2B organizations, where marketing has become a subservient service desk for sales and for customer service. And so it's based, the reason that they're in this on-demand sort of world right now where the only thing they do is produce more one-sheets and produce more brochures and produce more self-referential content is because sales doesn't understand how to do that so if we look at it through that lens in other words if we look at it through how sales customer service all the other disciplines can come to content marketing world learn and partner with marketing not drive marketing not make marketing subservient not say yes this is great and then here's what i need you to do marketing department i need you to fix this no it's about how does the business all come together and partner together with marketing leading the storytelling organization i would argue maybe that's because i'm a marketing guy and that's and that's the that's the that's the overall strategy so from that, that's that's my. I, no, I, I would agree with that. I think that the goal is is that you need to partner with sales and not have them become a barrier. Which in a, like a lot of cases, Absolutely. that's what's happening. They right are. Now. Yeah, they don't understand it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times the marketers in my workshops or or, or whatever will say to me, I, "I can't get sales on board with this. I just I cannot do it. It's really hard because the sales guys don't understand the value of the storytelling aspect or the content marketing aspect. They just want another spec sheet or they just want another one sheet." And that's going back to our culture and, and strategy uh, is is you've got to get those people on. You've got to get buy-in cross-functionally in order to make this scalable and a manageable piece of the business. Well, and the one thing, and I mean, I, I was at Penton, which was a relatively small company, small to medium-sized company. We had about 150 sales reps. So it's, that's a pretty good sales team at the time. And I had to do something like this while I was at Penton. And maybe 5% of those salespeople were at all open to hear, hearing a conversation right. from me. But I'd had to do what Julie did. I had to go to them, talk to them personally, go on sales calls with them. So I think marketing has got to take a, a, a jump, a leap to the sales team as well and go on some of these sales calls and listen to what their Absolutely. issues are. And marketing doesn't can, do enough of that right now. That, that's I can, remember going, I can remember going into publishing companies where the, the job was to convince sales guys that they shouldn't have digital be all make goods, right, for what was, oh my what, God. For what value was add, falling down. It. Everything was value yeah, add, exactly. digital. Yep. Right, you know. So, so great, anyway. great article, Marcus. We're on Great it. article, Marcus. Yeah, absolutely. Year. So Yes, in, indeed, indeed. All right, well, it is time for the namesake of the show, This Old Marketing, and I'm on deck to do that this week. Um, and this comes to us uh, from a brand called allrecipes.com. Um, it's a really interesting story and a little bit different. Uh, it feeds off of, you know, so both Joe and I were talking about this and how it feeds a little bit off of what Kraft and Julie Fleischer was talking about, which, by the way, has made the news everywhere. Um, if you just search for content marketing news this week, you'll see what Julie talked about and give a great rundown of her presentation um, and about how she's driving higher ROI through the creation of her content brand that she's created there. But this one is a little related, but it is actually a publishing story that I think makes a great takeaway for content marketers. And the All Recipes brand is 16 years old. It's been around digitally forever, it seems like, since really the advent of the web. It was published by Meredith in 2012, and this article that we'll put in the show notes really talks about how they took advantage of an online brand and all of the readership that was happening online, and they launched a print edition. So here is one, here is a brand that actually did the reverse of what most 
publishing brands are doing these days, which is taking a print brand and launching it online and trying to figure out how to monetize it and how to make those digital dimes out of print dollars or whatever the saying is. And they actually did the reverse. They took an online property and made a print magazine out of it. And what they found was is that print has actually been the proven to be the best route for this allrecipes.com brand to monetize its content and mobilize part of its 38 million plus monthly readers. Since they launched, they've experienced huge, huge growth, jumping from they had an initial uh, uh, rate base of over 500,000 in the print subscription base to now just under a million coming up to this October issue. And this uh, and the link that we'll put in the show notes is, is, a, is an interview, actually, with the publisher. His name is Stephen Grun, and he discusses re- really how they are starting to leverage what they know about the consumers in online data, and this is where it really aligns with the craft story, and how they use the online data capabilities to really curate what they do in the print magazine. We talk about this all the time, how we can start to look at the content that's most popular, most resonant with our audiences, and really figure out what should be in the print magazine, because now it becomes sort of the farm team and or the ability for us to put up amazing content into print that will resonate with our audiences much better and have a much less risk in a print magazine, which is, of course, fairly expensive to produce. And as he says, they're able to curate the 60,000-plus recipes that they have on allrecipes.com. They take the top-rated, most-reviewed, most socially shared or whatever, and present them in the way that print does better than any other medium, which is in that nice visceral sort of page-by-page, turn-by-turn thing. And then they actually talk about how the tone and the tenor of the magazine is is this idea that they're really coming through with developing an engagement with an audience that is beyond their online audience and really driving a lot of traffic back to the online, which is a nice cyclical way of doing it. And it's just it just goes to show you how it's strategy, then channels, and then using online to feed other elements, which in this case is print. So it's just a, gra- a great story. It's been around for 16 years. They don't. Do you know if they do a, an in-person event? I, I don't. I, I did not see that, and I have not heard that. They are actually doing some other platforms as well, testing like uh, iPad and mobile and stuff yeah, like that. So but I did not hear about an in-person. If event, they don't, yeah. that's my prediction. That's the next. Yeah. Well, it's that's always yeah, that right. I be... talk about this all the time. It's three legs of the stool, and you've yeah. got digital, print, and in-person. And if you're going to be the expert in your industry, uh, there's opportunities to leverage all three of those. And the great thing is, we always look at them as separate things. And what I love about this case study is that they feed off each other. They really, the play digital and print really play really nicely with each other. And it's not, oh, I got to do something in print or in person. They, I mean, basically, it's content marketing world, right? Content marketing world is almost a curation of the best or what's resonated the most online for Content Marketing Institute. And it's almost yeah. like, okay, how do we get those people out in, in the open and, and uh, talking about this and then networking? So that's a great story. Loved it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, what's coming up? What, I'm, I'm headed off to Chicago this afternoon. What, what are you doing this week? I'm headed off to Boston this week. It'll be my first. Oh, no. <laughs> It'll be Here my it first inbound. inbound. 2014. I'm doing, they, they, I don't know why. They invited me to do a bold talk. Um, I, I had to actually. What does that mean? What is a, what is a bold a, it's talk? It's like a TED talk. It's like a okay. twelve minute thing or whatever I'm doing, and and uh, actually when they asked, I had to. I got back to um, to Laura over there at, at HubSpot, and I said, uh, "You do know I'm Joe Polizzi. Like, do you, did you send this to the wrong person?" <laughs> or no, I'm super excited. You're itsy bitsy Polizzi. <laughs> I'm super. I know, I'm super happy that that uh, HubSpot asked me to do that and I'm um, coming in and I'm, I've never been doing inbound. So I'm super, I mean, I heard they got a great crowd this year. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they run an event. 
All right. Well, enjoy that, my friend. Okay, that is it for Joe Polizzi. This is Robert Rose signing off. And, you know, tweet us up. We've seen a couple of your tweets um, this, uh, this week at the, at the show. At hashtag this old marketing. Let us know what's going on in the world. Help us out with programming the show. Follow us. You know, if you've got a question, you can also just send an email to thisoldmarketing at contentinstitute.com. And if you like this episode number 44, do consider subscribing on iTunes or Stitcher.com. All the links that we talked about today are in the show notes, which will be available at the website, thisoldmarketing.com on Saturday. Remember, folks, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. See you next week on This Old Marketing. 